0: Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion of the court. Maine has enacted a program of tuition assistance for parents who live in school districts that do not operate a secondary school of their own. Under the program, parents designate the secondary school they would like their child to attend, public or private, and the school district transmits payments to that school to help defray the costs of tuition. Most private schools are eligible to receive the payments so long as they are non-sectarian. The question presented is whether this restriction violates the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment. Part 1 Section A Maine's constitution provides that the state's legislature shall require the several towns to make suitable provision at their own expense for the support and maintenance of public schools. In accordance with that command, the legislature has required that every school-aged child in Maine shall be provided an opportunity to receive the benefits of a free public education and that the required schools be operated by the legislative and governing bodies of local school administrative units. But Maine is the most rural state in the Union, and for many school districts, the realities of remote geography and low population density make those commands difficult to heed. Indeed, of Maine's 260 school administrative units, SAUs, Fewer than half operate a public secondary school of their own. Maine has sought to deal with this problem in part by creating a program of tuition assistance for families that reside in such areas. Under that program, if an SAU neither operates its own public secondary school nor contracts with a particular public or private school, for the education of its school-aged children, the SAU must pay the tuition at the public school or the approved private school of the parent's choice at which the student is accepted. Parents who wish to take advantage of this benefit first select the school they wish their child to attend. If they select a private school that has been approved by the main Department of Education, the parent's SAU shall pay the tuition at the chosen school up to a specified maximum rate. To be approved to receive these payments, a private school must meet certain basic requirements under Maine's compulsory education law. The school must either be currently accredited by a New England Association of Schools and Colleges or separately approved for attendance purposes by the department schools seeking approval from the department must meet specified curricular requirements, such as using English as the language of instruction, offering a course in Maine history, including the Constitution of Maine, and Maine's cultural and ethnic heritage, and maintaining a student-teacher ratio of not more than 30 to one. The program imposes no geographic limitation. Parents may direct tuition payments to schools inside or outside the state, or even in foreign countries. In schools that qualify for the program because they are accredited, teachers need not be certified by the state, and Maine's curricular requirements do not apply. Single-sex schools are eligible. Prior to 1981, parents could also direct the tuition assistance payments to religious schools. Indeed, in the 1979-1980 school year, over 200 Maine students opted to attend such schools through the tuition assistance program. In 1981, however, Maine imposed a new requirement that any school receiving tuition assistance payments must be a nonsectarian school in accordance with the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. That provision was enacted in response to an opinion by the Maine Attorney General taking the position that public funding of private religious schools violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. We subsequently held, however, that a benefit program under which private citizens direct government aid to religious schools wholly as a result of their own genuine and independent private choice does not offend the Establishment Clause. Following our decision in Zelman, the Maine legislature considered a proposed bill to repeal the non-sectarian requirement but rejected it. We subsequently held, however, that a benefit program under which private citizens direct government aid to religious schools wholly as a result of their own genuine and independent private choice does not offend the Establishment Clause. Following our decision in Zelman, the Maine legislature considered a proposed bill to repeal the non-sectarian requirement but rejected it. The non-sectarian requirement for participation in Maine's Tuition Assistance Program remains in effect today. The department has stated that in administering this requirement, it considers a sectarian school to be one that is associated with a particular faith or belief system and which, in addition to teaching academic subjects, promotes the faith or belief system with which it is associated and or presents the material taught through the lens of this faith. The department's focus is on what the school teaches through its curriculum and related activities and how the material is presented. Affiliation or association with a church or religious institution is one potential indicator of a sectarian school, but... It is not disposited. Section B. This case concerns two families that live in SAUs that neither maintain their own secondary schools nor contract with any nearby secondary school. Petitioners David and Amy Carson reside in Glenburg, Maine. When this litigation commenced, The Carsons' daughter attended high school at Bangor Christian Schools, BCS, which was founded in 1970 as a ministry of Bangor Baptist Church. The Carsons sent their daughter to BCS because of the school's high academic standards and because the school's Christian worldview aligns with their sincerely held religious beliefs. Given that BCS is a sectarian school that cannot qualify for tuition assistance payments under Maine's program, the Carsons paid the tuition for their daughter to attend BCS themselves. Petitioners Troy and Angela Nelson live in Palermo, Maine. When this litigation commenced, the Nelson's daughter attended high school at Erskine Academy, a secular private school and their son attended middle school at Temple Academy, a sectarian school affiliated with Centerpoint Community Church. The Nelsons sent their son to Temple Academy because they believed it offered him a high-quality education that aligned with their sincerely held religious beliefs. While they wished to send their daughter to Temple Academy too, they could not afford to pay the cost of the Academy's tuition for both of their children. BCS and Temple Academy are both accredited by the New England Association of Schools and Colleges, N-E-A-S-C, and the department considers each school a private school approved for attendance purposes under the state's compulsory attendance requirement. Yet, because neither school qualifies as non-sectarian, neither is eligible to receive tuition payments under Maine's tuition assistance. Absent the non-sectarian requirement, the Carsons and the Nelsons would have asked their respective SAUs to pay the tuition to send their children to BCS and Temple Academy, respectively. In 2018, Petitioners brought suit against the Commissioner of the Maine Department of Education. They alleged that the non-sectarian requirement of Maine's tuition assistance program violated the Free Exercise Clause and the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, as well as the Equal Protection Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. Their complaints sought declaratory and injunctive relief against enforcement of the requirement, The parties filed cross-motions for summary judgment on a stipulated record. Applying circuit precedent that had previously upheld the non-sectarian requirement against challenge, the district court rejected petitioners' constitutional claims and granted judgment to the commissioner. While petitioners' appeal to the First Circuit was pending, this court decided Espinoza v. Montana Department of Revenue. Espinoza held that, A provision of the Montana Constitution barring government aid to any school, controlled in whole or in part by any church, sect, or denomination, violated the Free Exercise Clause by prohibiting families from using otherwise available scholarship funds at the religious schools of their choosing. The First Circuit recognized that, in light of Espinoza, its prior precedent upholding Maine's non-sectarian requirement was no longer controlling. But it nevertheless affirmed the district court's grant of judgment to the commissioner. As relevant here, the First Circuit offered two grounds to distinguish Maine's non-sectarian requirement from the no-aid provision at issue in Espinoza. First, the panel reasoned that whereas Montana had barred schools from receiving funding simply based on their religious identity, a status that in and of itself does not determine how a school would use the funds, Maine bars BCS and Temple Academy from receiving funding based on the religious use that they would make of it Instructing the children. Second, the panel determined that Maine's tuition assistance program was distinct from the scholarships at issue in Espinoza because Maine had sought to provide a rough equivalent of the public school education that Maine may permissibly require to be secular, but is not otherwise accessible. Thus, the nature of the restriction at issue and the nature of the school aid program, of which it is a key part, led the panel to conclude once again that Maine's non-sectarian requirement did not violate the Free Exercise Clause. We granted certiorari. Part 2. Section A. The Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment protects against indirect coercion or penalties on the free exercise of religion, not just outright prohibitions. In particular, we have repeatedly held that a state violates the Free Exercise Clause when it excludes religious observers from otherwise available public benefits. A state may not withhold unemployment benefits, for instance, on the ground that an individual lost his job for refusing to abandon the dictates of his faith. We have recently applied these principles in the context of two state efforts to withhold otherwise available public benefits from religious organizations. In Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia v. Comer, we considered a Missouri program that offered grants to qualifying nonprofit organizations that installed cushioning playground surfaces made from recycled rubber tires. The Missouri Department of Natural Resources maintained an express policy of denying such grants to any applicant owned or controlled by a church, sect, or other religious entity. The Trinity Lutheran Church Child Learning Center applied for a grant to resurface its gravel playground, but the department denied funding on the ground that the center was operated by the church. We deemed it unremarkable in light of our prior decisions to conclude that the Free Exercise Clause did not permit Missouri to expressly discriminate against otherwise eligible recipients by disqualifying them from a public benefit solely because of their religious character. While it was true that Trinity Lutheran remained free to continue operating as a church, it could enjoy that freedom only at the cost of automatic and absolute exclusion from the benefits of a public program for which the center was otherwise fully qualified. Such discrimination, we said, was odious to our Constitution and could not stand. Two terms ago, in Espinoza, we reached the same conclusion as to a Montana program that provided tax credits to donors who sponsored scholarships for private school tuition. The Montana Supreme Court held that the program, to the extent it included religious schools, violated a provision of the Montana Constitution that barred government aid to any school controlled in whole or in part by a church, sect, or denomination. As a result of that holding, the state terminated the scholarship program, preventing the petitioners from accessing scholarship funds they otherwise would have used to fund their children's educations at religious schools. We again held that the Free Exercise Clause forbade the state's action. The application of the Montana Constitution's no-aid provision, we explained, required strict scrutiny because it barred religious schools from public benefits solely because of the religious character of the schools. A state need not subsidize private education, we concluded. But once a state decides to do so, it cannot disqualify some private schools solely because they are religious. Section B The unremarkable principles applied in Trinity Lutheran and Espinoza suffice to resolve this case. Maine offers its citizens a benefit tuition assistance payments for any family whose school district does not provide a public secondary school. Just like the wide range of nonprofit organizations eligible to receive playground resurfacing grants in Trinity Lutheran, a wide range of private schools are eligible to receive Maine tuition assistance payments here. And like the daycare center in Trinity Lutheran, BCS and Temple Academy are disqualified from this generally available benefit solely because of their religious character. By conditioning the availability of benefits in that manner, Maine's tuition assistance program, like the program in Trinity Lutheran, Effectively penalizes the free exercise of religion. Our recent decision in Espinoza applied these basic principles to the context of religious education that we consider today. There, as here, we considered a state benefit program under which public funds flowed to support tuition payments at private schools. And there, as here, That program specifically carved out private religious schools from those eligible to receive such funds. While the wording of the Montana and Maine provisions is different, their effect is the same. To disqualify some private schools from funding solely because they are religious, a law that operates in that manner we held in Espinoza must be subjected to the strictest scrutiny. To satisfy strict scrutiny, government action must advance interests of the highest order and must be narrowly tailored in pursuit of those interests. A law that targets religious conduct for distinctive treatment will survive strict scrutiny only in rare cases. This is not one of them. As noted, a neutral benefit program in which public funds flow to religious organizations through the independent choices of private benefit recipients does not offend the Establishment Clause. Maine's decision to continue excluding religious schools from its tuition assistance program after Zellman thus promotes stricter separation of church and state than the federal constitution requires. But as we explained in both Trinity Lutheran and Espinoza, such an interest in separating church and state more fiercely than the federal constitution cannot qualify as compelling in the face of the infringement of free exercise. Justice Breyer stresses the importance of government neutrality when it comes to religious matters. But there is nothing neutral about Maine's program. The state pays tuition for certain students at private schools, so long as the schools are not religious. That is discrimination against religion. A state's anti-establishment interest does not justify enactments that exclude some members of the community from an otherwise generally available public benefit because of their religious exercise. Part 3 The First Circuit attempted to distinguish our precedent by recharacterizing the nature of Maine's tuition assistance program in two ways, both of which Maine echoes before this court. First, the panel defined the benefit at issue as the rough equivalent of a main public school education, an education that cannot include sectarian instruction. Second, the panel defined the nature of the exclusion as one based not on a school's religious status, as in Trinity Lutheran and Espinoza but on religious uses of public funds. Neither of these formal distinctions suffices to distinguish this case from Trinity Lutheran or Espinoza, or to affect the application of the free exercise principles outlined above. Section A. The First Circuit held that the non-sectarian requirement was constitutional because the benefit was properly viewed not as tuition assistance payments to be used at approved private schools, but instead as funding for the rough equivalent of the public school education that Maine may permissibly require to be secular. As Maine puts it, the public benefit Maine is offering is a free public education. To start with, The statute does not say anything like that. It says that an SAU without a secondary school of its own shall pay the tuition at the public school or the approved private school of the parent's choice at which the student is accepted. The benefit is tuition at a public or private school selected by the parent with no suggestion that the private school must somehow provide a public education. This reading of the statute is confirmed by the program's operation. The differences between private schools eligible to receive tuition assistance under Maine's program and a Maine public school are numerous and important. To start with the most obvious, private schools are different by definition because they do not have to accept all students. Public schools generally do. Second, the free public education that Maine insists it is providing through the tuition assistance program is often not free. That assistance is available at private schools that charge several times the maximum benefit that Maine is willing to provide. Moreover, the curriculum taught at participating private schools need not even resemble that taught in the main public schools. For example, main public schools must abide by certain parameters for essential instruction in English language arts, mathematics, science and technology, social studies, career and education development, visual and performing arts, health, physical education and wellness, and world languages. But NEASC-accredited private schools are exempt from these requirements and instead subject only to general standards and indicators governing the implementation of their own chosen curriculum. Private schools approved by the Department rather than accredited by NEASC, are likewise exempt from many of the state's curricular requirements, so long as fewer than 60% of their students receive tuition assistance from the state. For instance, such schools need not abide by Maine's comprehensive statewide system of learning results, including the parameters for essential instruction referenced above and they need not administer the annual state assessments in English language arts, mathematics, and science. There are other distinctions too. Participating schools need not hire state-certified teachers and the schools can be single sex. In short, it is simply not the case that these schools To be eligible for state funds, must offer an education that is equivalent, roughly or otherwise, to that available in the Maine public schools. But the key manner in which the two educational experiences are required to be equivalent is that they must both be secular. Saying that Maine offers a benefit limited to private secular education is just another way of saying that Maine does not extend tuition assistance payments to parents who choose to educate their children at religious schools. But the definition of a particular program can always be manipulated to subsume the challenged condition and to allow states to recast a conditioning on funding in this manner would be to see the First Amendment reduced to a simple semantic exercise. Maine's formulation does not answer the question in this case, it simply restates it. Indeed, were we to accept Maine's argument, our decision in Espinoza would be rendered essentially meaningless. By Maine's logic, Montana could have obtained the same result that we held violated the First Amendment simply by redefining its tax credit for sponsors of generally available scholarships as limited to tuition payments for the rough equivalent of a Montana public education, meaning a secular education. But our holding in Espinoza turned on the substance of free exercise protections not on the presence or absence of magic words. That holding applies fully whether the prohibited discrimination is an express provision or in a party's reconceptualization of the public benefit. Maine may provide a strictly secular education in its public schools. But BCS and Temple Academy, like numerous other recipients of Maine tuition assistance payment, are not public schools. In order to provide an education to children who live in certain parts of its far-flung state, Maine has decided not to operate schools of its own, but instead to offer tuition assistance that parents, may direct to the public or private schools of their choice, Maine's administration of that benefit is subject to the free exercise principles governing any such public benefit program, including the prohibition on denying the benefit based on a recipient's religious exercise. The dissents are wrong to say that under our decision today Maine must fund religious education. Maine chose to allow some parents to direct state tuition payments to private schools. That decision was not forced upon it. The state retains a number of options. It could expand the reach of its public school system, increase the availability of transportation, provide some combination of tutoring, remote learning, and partial attendance, or even operate boarding schools of its own. As we held in Espinoza, a state need not subsidize private education, but once a state decides to do so, it cannot disqualify some private schools solely because they are religious. Section B The Court of Appeals also attempted to distinguish this case from Trinity Lutheran and Espinoza on the ground that the funding restrictions in those cases were solely status-based religious discrimination, while the challenged provision here imposes a use-based restriction. Justice Breyer makes the same argument. In Trinity Lutheran, the Missouri Constitution banned the use of public funds in aid of any church, sect, or denomination of religion. We noted that the case involved express discrimination based on religious identity, which was sufficient unto the day in deciding it, and that our opinion did not address religious uses of funding. So, too, in Espinoza, The discrimination at issue was described by the Montana Supreme Court as a prohibition on aiding schools controlled by churches, and we analyzed the issue in terms of religious status and not religious use. Foreshadowing Maine's argument here, Montana argued that its case was different from Trinity Lutheran's Because it involved not playground resurfacing, but general funds that could be used for religious ends by some recipients, particularly schools that believe faith should permeate everything they do. We explained, however, that the strict scrutiny triggered by status based discrimination could not be avoided by arguing that one of its goals or effects was preventing religious organizations from putting aid to religious uses, and we noted that nothing in our analysis was meant to suggest that we agreed with Montana that some lesser degree of scrutiny applies to discrimination against religious uses of government aid. Maine's argument, however, along with the decision below and Justice Breyer's dissent, is premised on precisely such a distinction. That premise, however, misreads our precedents. In Trinity Lutheran and Espinoza, we held that the Free Exercise Clause forbids discrimination on the basis of religious status, But those decisions never suggested that use-based discrimination is any less offensive to the Free Exercise Clause. This case illustrates why. Educating young people in their faith, inculcating its teachings, and training them to live their faith are responsibilities that lie at the very core of the mission of a private religious school. Any attempt to give effect to such a distinction by scrutinizing whether and how a religious school pursues its educational mission would also raise serious concerns about state entanglement with religion and denominational favoritism. Indeed, Maine concedes that the Department barely engages in any such scrutiny when enforcing the non-sectarian requirement. That suggests that any status-use distinction lacks a meaningful application, not only in theory, but in practice as well. In short, the prohibition on status-based discrimination under the Free Exercise Clause is not a permission to engage in use-based discrimination. Maine and the dissents invoke Locke v. Davy from 2004 in support of the argument that the state may preclude parents from designating a religious school to receive tuition assistance payments. In that case, Washington had established a scholarship fund to assist academically gifted students with post-secondary education expenses, but the program excluded one particular use of the scholarship funds, the essentially religious endeavor of pursuing a degree designed to train a minister to lead a congregation. We upheld that restriction against a free exercise challenge reasoning that the state had merely chosen not to fund a distinct category of instruction. Our opinions in Trinity Lutheran and Espinoza, however, have already explained why Locke can be of no help to Maine here. Both precedents emphasized, as did Locke itself, that the funding in Locke was intended to be used to prepare For the ministry. Locke's reasoning expressly turned on what it identified as the historic and substantial state interest against using taxpayer funds to support church leaders. But as we explained at length in Espinoza, it is clear that there is no historic and substantial tradition against aiding private religious schools comparable to the tradition against state-supported clergy invoked by Locke. Locke cannot be read beyond its narrow focus on vocational religious degrees, to generally authorize the state to exclude religious persons from the enjoyment of public benefits on the basis of their anticipated religious use of the benefits. Maine's non-sectarian requirement for its otherwise generally available tuition assistance payments violates the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment. Regardless of how the benefit and restriction are described, the program operates to identify and exclude otherwise eligible schools on the basis of their religious exercise, the judgment of the Court of Appeals is reversed, and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. It is so ordered. We've come to the end of the opinion. Until next episode, thanks for listening to What SCOTUS Wrote Us.